0: Coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Damn Podcast, Shiny J and I have a special conversation on race in the NFL and what's going on in the country with Eric Schlitt of LionsWire.com, Jeremy Rossman of ProudofDetroit.com, and the one and only Michael Jones from OMG It's Lions Talk Podcast. So sit back for a good conversation about what's going on in this country. Watch out. Here comes that roar. What up, though? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to a very special edition of the Die Hard Dan podcast. And as always, I'm with my man, shiny Jay. What's up, good people? Hey, welcome to the show. And we have some very special guests. we like to welcome them, and we're going to have them say hello individually. First up, we have my man, Michael Jones of OMG It's Lions Talk.
1: Hey, what's going on? What's going on, everybody? Happy All right. and uh Yeah, it's time
2: to I'll talk about things a little bit.
0: All right, yeah. Next up, we have my man Jeremy Reisman of, of com.
2: You got it. Thanks
0: for having me, Kurt. Happy to be here. All right. And last but not certainly not least, my man Eric Slit coming over from Lions Wire and Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast.
3: Hey, Kurt. Uh, nice to talk to you again, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. I
0: thank you guys for all coming on and being part of this very necessary conversation. We're going to get right into it. The things that happen in this country are the reason why we're here. Recently, the recent events—we're uh, not—we're uh, going to touch on some of the some touchy situations and some touching um, material. And first thing is that one of the things that really jumpstart this whole conversation that we had this week and how everything's affecting the league, with as far as race is concerned, is the comments by one Drew Brees. Um, What do you think – what did you think his initial comments about when he went on Yahoo Finance and said um, that he was – definitely didn't support anyone disrespecting the flag? uh, Mike?
1: Um, And uh, I think actually Drew Brees, I really think he didn't mean those things the way they came out. Um, I think he – you know, his grandfather served in the military. I think when he took a knee uh, a few years ago during the anthem, I think his family gave him a little bit uh, of, of bad talk for that. And I think he just started to make up for that this time. And I just think he did that a long time.
3: All right, uh, Eric, what you got? Well, for me, I think with trees, it's just a matter. It's a matter of education and the fact that he was looking at things from his perspective and not looking at them more globally. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what the the, uh, expression that we've seen uh, across the world has been about. It's about getting people to look outside of themselves and and be a little bit more uh, empathetic and altruistic and looking at other people's perspective. And initially, I think when he made those comments, Mm -hmm. he was making them, as as just thinking more like with well, I don't want to say with blinders on, but he was just only looking at it from his perspective, and and I think once he was able to look beyond that and he saw the backlash that he got from teammates and other people around the league, mm-hmm. I, I think it opened his perspective a little bit. And I and you've seen a couple of um, comments from him after the fact that have mm-hmm. spoken to that. And if he has truly taken that to heart and made those changes uh, with his perspective, then then kudos to him. Uh, I think there's more to be said and, and more for him to prove down the road. Right. But it, I think it was just a matter of just him not being educated uh, on the topic. Right. Um, Jeremy, what you got?
2: Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Eric just said. The one thing I'll add is that I, I was certainly disappointed when, when Drew Brees first came out and said what he did, because he's had, what, you know, two, three years since the Kaepernick protest to learn this, to learn that the protests were never about, the flag and never about disrespecting the troops. And even mm-hmm. this week, I mean, that that came in the middle of the week when he had already probably met with a bunch of his team. And so, um, while I'm glad he he potentially has made some changes, and maybe that speaks to how much this movement is already working. We've already heard Roger Goodell apologize um, for mm-hmm. how they acted a few years ago, and maybe that is mm-hmm. true progress that we're making. But um, it, it's sad that it's taken this long for guys like Drew Brees.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into the to the Roger Goodell um, statement later. Shout
4: out, Jay, what you got? I think um, Drew was kind of hypocritical. Like you already mentioned, he took a knee himself a few years ago during mm-hmm. the protest. He was teammates, which showed solidarity. And he stuck it for his teammates when he was obviously lying about the New Orleans Bonnie Gates mm-hmm. a few years ago. And now he's gonna get mad about this. I think it was kind of a contradiction, but I'm glad he came out and apologized. And let me ask mm-hmm. you guys the piggyback on that. Since Roger Goodell admitted that they made a mistake about Kaepernick protests, waiting them back in the NFL in 2020? Well,
0: Kaepernick yeah, we, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. We, we, I just want to touch on that. We're going we to address the, the Kaepernick thing here shortly. Um, just given my perspective, as a veteran, I, I served 26 years in the military, and given from my perspective as an African-American male, I really took offense to his comments just because of the fact that i know the history of the military i know that my grandfather fought in world war ii and when he came back he didn't have the the opportunities that i had he didn't get a hero's welcome like i did when i came back from afghanistan what he got was he couldn't wear his uniform in public because he was in danger of getting attacked uh, he couldn't sit at a lunch counter um when he came back from the south pacific you know and my grandfather was a master sergeant he was a a person who recovered um casualties from the battlefield and he wasn't able to be to honor the individuals that he was bringing back because he was uh, felt as less than, you know. So, um, and you can't box everyone in as far as you can say that you are disrespecting the troops because we fight to defend the Constitution of the United States, which means that we're, we're protecting people's right defeated him a speech in the Bill of Rights, which is in the Constitution. So uh, those things definitely struck a chord with me when he said them. Um, and I think that really, like uh, you all said, it took some of his teammates to really get at him and some of the backlash that he got to really change his tune. Now, one thing I will say that it's going to take some work for him to regain his trust in that locker room, even though some of those teammates came out in supporting him it's still going to be some guys in that locker room until he has some action behind those words that may give him the side eye. And it and would be right with Philly, So um, because of the fact that he's going to have to earn their trust back because he broke at that bond with them making those comments. Um, though getting to that, his apology, do you guys think that his apology was genuine? Um, we'll go with Shawnee J first.
4: Uh, do I think it's genuine? It's hard to say, but I give him credit for at least, you know, being a man enough to say an apology. Who knows if it was genuine or not. At least mm-hmm. he said it.
2: What you got, Jeremy? I'd say after his kind of first apology, it didn't really ring true for me where he said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry with the way my, my words were interpreted mm-hmm. and, and that's not really an apology for what you said that's an apology for other people and and that's that's not what an apology is but I will say when he let I, I think it was Friday night he sent something out to Trump saying no that this wasn't about disrespecting the flag this wasn't about dis. that to me is a true apology I mean going up against Trump, a guy who he's shared a, a box in a suite at, at a football game with, a guy that he's clearly friendly with, and to put, you know, a guy on blast, you know, put the president on blast it on some sort of level, um, took took a little bit about um, of courage, and, and yeah, I think that showed that he was a little more serious, a little more sincere about this than than his first initial apology looked.
0: Yeah, what you got, Eric?
3: Yeah, I agree with that. Um I felt like the first apology was something that was necessary but it was also it sounded like it was uh put together by not just him by like uh his pr team or or whoever Mm -hmm. and and that makes sense for an initial but um the second one did sound more true more heartfelt more off the cuff and um more direct and i think that one rang more sincere to me than the initial one. I think the initial one was more to save face. The second one was more, okay, now we're stepping in the right direction.
0: Right. And what you got there, my man, Mike, before I share my thoughts?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you guys. Uh, I think the first one was kind of like um, I have to I have to say something to, to, you know, get everybody kind of off my back. And I believe the second one, when he directly – reference Trump and, you know, and things got changed. I think that was, that came more from the heart than in the first
0: Right. I, I have to agree with uh, everything you guys are saying. Um, and I, well, one thing that struck a court for me, Jeremy, it was the fact that he said, well, I'm, I'm sorry for my way. My words were perceived. Right. Well, that, you're just saying what, uh, you meant what you said. You just said, you, you're just saying sorry the way that, that if you took it the wrong way. And that's not a true apology. Um, and one thing that really struck me as, like I've heard someone say kind of corny was the actual stock picture of the black and the white hands shaking each other. I was like giving each other dap. I was like, come on, man, you could have posted a picture of you and your teammates, but to kind of do that generic type of picture was kind of, I was like, you gotta be better than that, my man. Um, and I will say one thing and, um, like I said, it's going to take a lot of work for him. Now, what did, what he said, did it erase everything um, he did in, with New Orleans, especially coming from Hurricane Katrina and everything like that? Uh, no, but does he get a pass? Definitely not. Um, I think maybe he's working in the right direction. I, like I said, he's still is going to take some work to get to where he needs to be with his team uh, there in New Orleans and to get that locker room, uh, really earn their trust again. Now, With that being said, switching over to uh, Roger Goodell. Now, I will say this. The video that uh, Michael Thomas and some of those other NFL stars, including really the face of the league, Patrick Mahomes, really struck a chord with the league. And actually, it was uh, organized with some of the audiovisual individuals from the league who helped uh, produce that video. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you definitely can Google the what-if I was uh George Floyd video by some of the NFL players. Um, what did you think about that initial video from the players taking a hard stance about what was going on in the world today, uh, Eric?
3: Well, I think it sends a clear, it sends a clear message that um, the, the, and I want to bring up what something Gerard Harmon said to us, uh, yesterday was that when he watched the video of George Floyd, it was very easy for him to picture himself in that exact same situation as George Floyd. And then uh-huh. he could picture his father and his cousins and his son. And I think that's the message that the, that the video was trying to send was that this could be any of us. It's not just a, this person uh, situation. It's a, it's something that it could, what if it happened to me? And, and, and I, I share these common, this common bond with this, uh, man who was just brutally murdered. And that's, I guess what it was Jeron Harmon's, uh, words from earlier in the day that resonated with me that I thought that was the main message I took away from it.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, Mike, what you got?
1: Yeah. Um, I like it, man. Um, I think, I think it, it gave Roger Goodell a wake-up call. Like, um, what you guys did to Kaepernick was not right. And I think it also, it it was happy for me because players finally stood up. Right.
4: I got you. Shawty J? Admittedly, I didn't see the video. I didn't get a chance to see the video, but I can pretty much just picture what's going on. I'm glad the players are taking a stance. Um, you know, they're trying to be like um, Jim Brown. Remember the great Jim Brown? He was an activist. You know, he used to be played during the Civil Rights era. <clears throat> Excuse me. He risked his career no. for standing up for was right. And I'm glad to see some of these players take a stand. I mean, they don't have to say nothing. They got, they got it made. They got it comfortable. But they're putting their careers on the risk on the line excuse me i'm glad they are
0: all right jeremy what do you think about that video
2: i I (coughs) thought it was uh i thought it was incredibly powerful i mean especially after a week of just kind of like these soft statements from from corporations from you know nfl teams putting out just saying like we stand against racism and just like not really addressing the issue not mentioning police brutality not saying the words black lives matter this Mm -hmm. was something that was head-on it was direct it was It was strong. We saw basically the biggest stars in the NFL all um, take part in that video. And, and, you know, it was something that clearly struck a chord with a lot of people. And and it's understandably so because it was direct. It was firm. It was clear in its message. And it it didn't, you know, shy away from from some tough language that needed to be said. Right.
0: Um, Me, myself, I I identify with the video. Um, I am a a veteran. I'm African-American male. But I still... Uh, don't like police behind me. Um, I still, I get nervous with police behind me because I know that a simple traffic stop can end my life. And I have a son who has autism and my son is nonverbal, verbal. Um, and I fear for his life as well because of the fact that if something happens, and I get pulled over and, you know, my son has a meltdown um, and he's acting out. He can get killed. His life can get ended because he's having a a meltdown, and someone takes that as an act of aggression and hurts my son or kills my son. So you know, I I really you know internalized that video, and you know really looked at it as through the eyes of the player and looked at it as through the eyes of the public because we look at so many people. I mean, you look at you know Tamir Rice and Eric Gardner and you know Sandra Bland and. You know, Brianna Taylor and all these individuals. And Lord knows, I know us as Alliance family have, you know, heard about, you know, Ahmaud Arbery uh, down in Georgia. Um, those individuals were living their life and something um, tragic happened to them where they didn't make it home. Um, it'd be a traffic stop or a quote unquote for, in the case of uh, Arbery, they. Um, well, I would say a fake citizen's arrest, um, who someone just took took it upon themselves to take someone's life because of the fact that they just thought that they were, uh, saw someone who they claimed to have been committing a crime, um, which we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Now, Roger Goodell's video. <laughs> we're going to get into that. Roger Goodell made a video. He came out he's saying that the NFL is against racism and against systematic racism and needs to um, be more active as NFL and the black lives matter. Did that video ring true to you? And if so, what was missing for you in that video? And we'll start with uh, my man, Mike. You got me, Mike?
1: Oh yeah, sorry, y'all. Y'all kinda of broke up for a minute. My bad. Okay. Um, I actually I didn't watch the video. Um, I'm gonna have to go back and uh, check that video out. So um I really can't speak too much on uh on that video. So I'm gonna On
0: get that video? Okay.
4: All right, Shiny J., did you see that video? No, I didn't see the video either. Um, but I heard some, some comments. That was the part where he said that. He said that it was the mistake with it to Kaepernick a few years ago. Was that part of
0: it? Well, he didn't, they didn't speak his name directly. Um, so, um, but, you know, at the end of the video, he said that we see you guys in, in, in Black Lives Matter. Um, so, um, getting to uh, to Jeremy, what did you think of the video?
2: I, I was surprised by it, pleasantly surprised. I would say, you know, the, the exact words he used were we, the NFL, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier. Which is a clear admission of guilt for how they handled the, um, the the protests back in in 2016 and 2017. But as you mentioned, did not mention Colin Kaepernick. Did not did not really express a call to action either. He did not. Uh, he he did say you know we're going to try to encourage protests or demonstrations as as we move forward. But he stopped also short of saying you can now kneel at the anthem. So. I think it's a, it's a great first step for, for the NFL and for Roger Goodell, but um, we, we still have to wait to see action, right? We still need to see him either allow players to, to demonstrate or donate a large sum to certain causes or, or whatever. But I, I do think it's – I mean, you don't see very often a, a commissioner of any league admit guilt in the way that, that Goodell did. Um, so I think it's a great first step, but we we still have a long ways to go with the NFL and, and the way they treat uh, issues like this.
0: All right before we get to Eric, you are watching or listening to the Die Hard Dan podcast. We're having a special conversation about race in the NFL. So, Eric, what did you think about the commissioner's video?
3: Yeah, I think the word that's the words that stood out the most to me were that the admittance of being wrong. Um, you don't see not not just commissioners around the league but this is a billion dollar corporation you don't often see billion dollar corporations say okay uh our fault you know what i mean like but i also view this as similar to drew breeze's first statement this is a initial statement that was probably he had some guidance in in, in making it um but where do we go? Like Jeremy said, where do we go from here? What's his next statement going to say? Is it going to be more specific, more heartfelt? What actions are they going to take beyond that? Are they going to get into specifics? Are they going to address kneeling? Are they going to address Kaepernick? It's it's a fine first statement. And right. and, and and I know people are, are going, that, that people wanted more out of it, I guess.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But at the end of the day, this is a step in the right direction, even if it's a baby step in the right direction. This Uh is something that three years ago, four years ago would never have happened, right? Right. And now we're seeing it. And maybe it was pressure from the player video and maybe it was pressure from the events that have been happening, or maybe they're just becoming more self-aware. But regardless of what got them to that video, it's uh, it's it's a step towards progress. Now, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens next. But um, I I wasn't, I was happy to see it. I was like Jeremy, I was surprised to see it. And um, I'm looking uh, forward to seeing what the next one, the next statement is. Right now, now watching the video myself, one, like Jeremy said, one
0: obvious omission was to mention Colin Kaepernick by name. I think that that's one thing that the commissioner really missed out on. I don't know if the leaks is going to come back later and, have him in some kind of role with the league or have him uh, as far as a press conference or whatever they're going to have with Colin Kaepernick. I think it would just be right for the league to reach out to him and have him join this fight because they admitted that they were wrong, but they didn't mention him by name. And that's a very big omission. I think it need to really correct that. Um, as far as that's concerned with Colin Kaepernick because this man has, you know, he's continued to fight even though he lost his his livelihood. I mean, he's made some uh some concessions as far as making um the the see not concessions. He's made some money with Nike with his endorsement with Nike, uh selling his jerseys, selling his uh, his shoes. Um and he's he's had some uh some money making and he still continues to donate his money to the, the causes, uh, that he really, he really believes for and that he really was originally taking a, a knee for. Um, now we're going to kind of switch gears, um, for a second and kind of address the, the, um, what's going on in the nation right now. Um, and I want to get you guys thoughts on, um, the video of, um, George Floyd's uh, last moments uh, on Earth. Uh, hold on here, Shiny Jake, you up first? What do you What did you think of the George Floyd video?
4: Now that I saw, and that I thought it was terrible. I mean, the man he is—it's worse than the Rodney King video, obviously because. A man died in this case. It was horrible. He was telling me you couldn't breathe. I mean, you had a big man, that cop at least weighed 210 pounds, and put that much pressure on someone's neck. Well, you expect? you're trying to kill him. And the Minnesota Police Department said, we don't train officers to restrain um, suspects like that. So that was well out of line. And the, the video was sickening. I mean, we literally witnessed a murder on that video. You know, almost nine minutes for a big man. He may not be big as refrigerator Perry, but he's big enough. I, You know, put somebody's um, knee on your neck. Of course you're going to kill them. They're going to suffer from suffocation or, fist, or whatever you want to call it. You know, strangulation almost. It was terrible. I'm glad that they charged him. But I don't agree with other things that are going on, you know, because of that. People are taking advantage of the situation. I guess we we'll talk about that later.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get with that later. Um. I'm going to go next. Um, seeing that video, and, and I will say this. Um, in the African American community, um, and just this overall, just this, this on the world, one person who, if you have a an issue or something uh, going on with you, one person most likely you're going to call for is your mother. You're going to call for your mother because she's the person who's going to Come and save you um I know you know i I'm a self claimed was born myself, my mom was my hero, you know, makes she rest in peace but for to hear a forty six year old man call for his mother call for his mama does he can't breathe call for someone to call for their mama like that that broke- i mean just the situation itself broke my heart, but to hear him call for his mama, I'm like, you know and and to see that cop's face where his, he was emotionless as he held his knee on that man's neck. No one should ever, ever, black, white, ever, but that's a definitely an issue in the black community where you have these police officers who police communities of color different than they police their own communities. Um, is was something that wasn't warranted. Um, Jeremy, what did you think of the initial video when you saw uh, and it wasn't the the whole uh, nine minute video, but the initial video of George Floyd that was shared on uh, on social media.
2: Yeah, um, I'm I'm almost a little ashamed to say that I haven't been able to finish watching it. Um, it's it's that hard for me, and and I've tried multiple times to just sit and watch. But like like you said, just the lack of human compassion in that video, the lack of understanding that someone is crying out for help that, that they're they're literally dying under their knee and they don't they don't stop and, and think about it they don't stop and and you know hear his words that he can't breathe that he's calling out for his mother and it's i it's just something that i i can't bring myself to watch sometimes and i know i need to force myself i know i need to see it straight faced and and and, and come to terms with with a reality that that exists not only in this nation but across the world um and it, it's it's just it's very hard for me to see something like that and and believe it and and I absolutely I, to be clear I absolutely believe that all of this is happening. It's just hard to face it. It's hard to look at it in the face and and recognize it. And um, you know, w- one day I'm I'm gonna get there. It's just it's so raw footage of of hate of pure unadulterated hate, and it, it's just it's really hard. It's, it's just hard to watch it yeah I, I don't know other, wh- another way to say it. it's just very yeah. very hard for me to, to, to look that in the face I understand Mike what you got
1: yeah um that was a tough video um, Yeah, was, man I can't I can't put it in words but um, today actually when I was at the uh, I went to the protest and um, we were asked to go on our knees or the for eight minutes and 41 seconds, I believe, that was, you know, an officer had his knee in George Floyd's neck and my knee hurt. Even though I had on shorts and I kind of had them underneath my knee, my knee hurt. And I had to switch me, okay? And then I eventually sat on my butt, you know? And and I'm like, man, how, how hard? that he have to have his knee in his back for him to be able to stand that long on his knee? And that, and that, that, like brain, that's just it. Breathe. It just man. It's just it's just hard to it's hard to, to think about, man. It just, it's just Every time I, I think about that video, man, it just it's tough, man. It's
0: tough. tough. I understand.
3: All right, uh, Eric, what do you think? Well. <clears throat> For me the biggest uh the biggest thing that just when I watched it was I was just confused uh, I was waiting for something to happen. I was waiting for him to get up. I was waiting for one of the other officers to step in and say, "Okay, I hear what he's saying, and I need to take action and 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 that and the officers didn't do that and and he didn't move and the other op- and then I was confused. I was, I didn't understand why there was a lack of of action from other people around there. And, and the people that were videoing it were calling for action and, and their words were, they went unheard. And, and it was startling to me. It was, it was shocking to me to, to just see no one else step in when they the people that were in power of that situation weren't and it was i was just i was i was shocked and confused and i it just goes against like my nature to 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 not I guess you know, what I tried to do is I tried to empathize with the people or, or try to not empathize. I tried to like put myself in the shoes of the people who were videoing or put my shoes in the, in the situation of, of the different officers and try and see what they were doing or put, put my mind in, or in the situation of Mr. Floyd. And I just couldn't, I, I, I couldn't figure out why there was just nothing but him sitting there for so long and it just didn't make sense to me and it still doesn't make sense to me. And it's, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. Uh, I watched it once. That's all. I, I, I couldn't watch it again. I, that's all. But I was the whole time. I was like, just, I was like it. human nature, human decency says something has to happen. Someone has to step in and no one did. And it was, it was, it was shameful. Right. Now I will say this, his daughter,
0: uh, made a statement to ask her about, you know, his daughter, his daughter said, my dad changed the world. And that's sad that it took her dad to die senselessly for the world to change. Because if you look at what's going on in the country with all these protests, it's not just in the United States. It's all over the world. It's global where uh, people of color are, 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 and people that are not people of color are standing up for human decency and human rights of how People of color are treated throughout the world, not just uh, in the United States, because the problem of systemic racism is a big problem in the United States. However, racism against people of color are all over the world. It's you know you go to different um, areas of the world, and people that are darker pigmented skin are treated poorly. South America, Germany, um, it's it's just rampant around the world, and and I think that this. Um, is a big case for change. And I think that um, the world's going to be different. I don't, I don't think the world can go back. And I think one of the things, and you guys can, you know, I'll give you guys uh, your uh, comments on this. I think COVID-19 was and is a blessing and a curse, because it's a curse because of people are dying and stuff like that. But it's a blessing in this situation because people had to pay attention because they can't they couldn't go anywhere so they had to pay attention to this video if i think i don't think if covid-19 would have happened i don't think this would have been a bigger story across the globe because people were kind of forced to kind of watch this you know they didn't have any place to go you know you don't you know you're kind of you know stuck in your house so that made this situation even uh on a bigger stage what do you think about that my man mike
1: yeah, um, I think man, you, you hit the nail on the head. Everybody has seen this. Like, I don't think there's any person living in America that hasn't seen some part of the video. And I think this, you said it, man. That COVID-19 it is horrible as a virus has has been. Uh, my my sister's cousin actually died in Detroit from it. But at the end of the day, man, it kept us all in the house we were all able to see it. And I think that's why we see the protests and the marches and, and, and you see a lot of Caucasian people protesting and marching because even there's it's sick of it, man. And, um, it, it just touches everybody. Right. Right. Charlie J.
4: Yeah, man. Um, I agree with what you and Mike is saying. This COVID-19, this, the world's really changed in 2020. All that's been going on, the type, you know, the, unt- the tragic and untimely death of an American hero Kobe Bryant, and not in COVID-19. I mean, that really changed the world. A small virus that came out of Wuhan, China, spread like wildfire all over the world. Shut the con- countries down. Shut countries down. Where nobody can go to work, and and took us like one event like this. The George Floyd um, situation, it spread just like wildfire, just like COVID, COVID did over there in the world, you know. Um, Instead still had to happen, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. But like I said, the world will never be the same again. And hopefully this will implement change, because you see even policemen across the country taking knees and joining the protesters. Hopefully this is the impetus of some positive come out of it, you know. This is going to be another tragedy, that you know goes away with time hopefully this will bring on positive change eric my man what you got
3: yeah i i I do think that there is a a connection between the two and as as you guys have all uh, said the covid situation is, is obviously terrible on its own but the circumstances around it created an environment in which something like this was uh, able to happen where a change or or, or a movement towards change was able to happen because everything uh, is is on pause and so you have all of the media uh, focused on this event and focused on what's happening in the world right now and you know that i'm a sports journalist but I haven't written uh, an article that wasn't about this in the, in the last seven days. It's because everything I've written has been about this. And and if, and maybe like Mike said, maybe if the COVID wasn't going on, then there would be like camps and, and, and then would, we would maybe be distracted a little bit. And, um, and I think it created this environment where we've, we've almost been forced to pay attention because there's, there's just, there's the, the focus of all, of all these other things around us was gone and and, and it's a, probably a good thing that we were forced to look at this situation because if we weren't then how long does this continue how long are we are, is it another several years before an issue like this gets brought up again like in between now and and the Kaepernick protests so it's an unfortunate uh, obviously both situations are, are are very difficult and and in hard situations but out of those hard situations are typically when you see change happen and hopefully that's the direction that this country's headed in right what are your thoughts Jeremy
2: yeah I mean I, the only thing I feel like I can, can add to everything which you you all have, have pretty much seemingly covered is just looking at social media like if we were out eating at restaurants Instagram would probably be filled with with food and and beers and whatever baseball highlights nba playoffs would be happening right now like that's what would be covering social media but you look on twitter you look on instagram you look on facebook everything is about this and it it, like everyone has said it's unfortunate how we got to this isolated situation but if if something good can come from it Um, that that's one, you know, one positive way to look at this overall situation. And yeah, I mean, the social media is the way that we communicate these days and it's all this and, and yeah, it's, it's because there's a shutdown nationwide, worldwide.
0: Right. Well, you know, it's, in the African-American community, I mean, to, to caveat on what you said, I mean, this isn't an isolated incident. I mean, I have to say that, you know, when you have situations like, you know, Breonna Taylor, and, you know, you could, the list goes on and on. I mean, going back over the years, um, you look at, I mean, even going back to the 60s, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Before, I mean, he was one of the most, and people, that's one thing that really gets me now, is people want to quote Dr. King. Dr. King was one of the most hated people in America when he was alive. I mean, he was getting, he was being uh, surveilled by the CIA and the FBI because he was so hated by the government and in the, in the country. So um, I mean, these aren't isolated incidents. They, they go on. I just think that the COVID-19 put a shine of light on it. Um, more than they would. And with you, like you said, Jeremy, more than what it would have been if we were just going about our daily, day-to-day tasks where everybody's going to work or, you know, going, uh, hanging out at the bar or going to, you know, going to a game or, you know, that's just really made it so much more, um, where you can people can concentrate on it more where nothing's really going on, but this, and because the world's kind of shut, the world is shut down. I mean, sports are starting to come back now and places are starting to open, but this happened in the situation where everything was pretty much still shut down. Um, now let's switch gears to the lions. Um, and you guys, uh, Eric, you covered the Duran Harmon uh, presser the other day. Um, what did you, what was your biggest takeaway from that, uh, press conference with, uh, with uh Harmon? I,
3: I wish I could say just one thing. I, I wish I could. There was just mm-hmm. so many things about him, uh, that he, that he shared that was heartfelt open and his willingness to share. It was very impactful. Um, he talked for 27 minutes or something like that. And the video mm-hmm. is on YouTube, uh, on the lion's feed, uh, both Jeremy and I wrote essentially the same thing about it. It's We could pull little snippets uh, from the piece, but the whole piece itself was so powerful that we both said, watch it all. Please just watch it all and just listen to what he's saying. Um, I take notes during the press conferences, and typically um, I get about half or three-quarters of a page per player. With Harmon, I had three pages, and it just kept going because he was – the 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 information that he was telling us from his point of view it was very impactful from having to have hard conversations with his eight-year-old son to what is he doing professionally and using his platform and how are the lions themselves addressing the the what's going on right now how are they going to address the issue moving forward um there was just so many incredible things that that he brought up that i again i just it's so i would highly recommend people going and watching that video
0: i've, I've watched the video myself i sat down and and, and took uh, half an hour yesterday and sat down and watched that video um hey everyone thank you for listening in to the Die Hard dm podcast uh, we're having a special uh, conversation about race in the nfl um mike are you familiar with the deron Harmon press conference
1: uh, I am a little bit. Um, I didn't catch all of it, but I did. Uh, I watched a little snippets of it, and um, I'm just, I'm just glad that uh, that he said so and That he came out and and it was an emotional. It was real. You know, I mean? that that's that's what uh, is the biggest part. I think it's actually inspired uh, Matt Patricia to to take a little to come out, I think it was yesterday and say the things that he said. And I think that's big for a free agent to come in to Detroit and and just make your make your feelings be known off rip. Like there's no confusion
2: how he feels. And I think that's important. All
0: right. Jeremy, how was your how was your take on the uh, the press conference yesterday?
2: Yeah, I mean it was it was the most educational I think press conference I've I've listened to in in my three four years of of being on the beat and um I I think just him telling his personal stories are the things that really resonated with me um the story of him waiting for his mom and 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 sister at a Walmart as as a 17 year old and getting his interaction with a cop which was just him being in a fire lane he was he was parked in a fire lane it somehow escalated to him being ripped out of a car and I think, I think that's something that we need to also pay attention to. It's not just, you know, police killing people. It's, it's disrespect. It's injuring. I mean, it's all of that. Like, you don't have to be killed to be abused by the cops. And it, it's happening with everyone. We heard him. I think this really gave us kind of an insight to the kind of meetings that the Lions were having this week. You know, they basically put football aside and we're just talking about this. And we heard from a couple of players saying, like, everyone had a story like that everyone has a story like that and that's something when you hear the specifics and you hear it from uh, uh, the person who who underwent police abuse um, it's much more powerful and and harman had three or four stories that he shared during that 27 minutes and it, it just kind of it reminds you how pervasive it is in these people's lives and even if it's something as simple as getting pulled over because you don't look like you belong in the town or you know being the first question from the cop being Whose car is this? These are things I've had plenty of interactions with cops. Never have I had anything similar to this. Not even close. I had one situation which I saw, I, I was pulled over by a cop twice in two days. One time I was, I was loitering. I was, I, was, I was about the same age as, as Harmon when he got pulled out of his car. I was 17 years old. We were, we were gonna TP a house. Me and four of my friends were in a neighborhood. We were about to TP a house. Someone spotted us. We sprinted, we panicked. And I just can't help but think like, if I was if I was an African American in a different neighborhood, that could have been a v- much 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 different interaction. Instead, it was just like, "What are you guys doing? All right, get out of here. That's it. Like that was the entire interaction. And it was the same. Like the guy had just seen me 24 hours ago too. I I was, I was a little rascal. I I I deserve probably more punishment than that. I certainly didn't deserve to be dragged out of my car, and no one does. And so I think. That that was a, a great reminder that that things are, are different and and it's for everybody. This isn't just about individuals who get murdered. This is about everybody. All
4: right, Shawnee Jay. Uh, I saw the video on my favorite site besides ours, probably Detroit. I love probably Detroit. Jeremy, <laughs> um, I didn't get a chance to watch it all, but I get the point. You know, once again, I'm glad these athletes are speaking out. They're not they're afraid of. Risking and losing their careers as so many have their livelihoods. I'm glad you spoke out and share a painful experience. And my hat's off to them. That's all I got.
0: All right. Thank you. All right. Again, thank you for listening in and watching this special edition of the Die Hard Damn podcast as we talk about race in the NFL and how it's affecting the country right now. Uh, one thing I definitely did watch that video, and it was very um, touching that to hear um him share those things and you just hear of it far too often where you know like jeremy said whose car is this you know and i got pulled over when i was a young kid you know speeding crazy you know first thing want to ask, you know is, whose car is this you know what's my mom's car you know and i'm driving something nice like a, uh when i'm at a cadillac and i was speeding and i got caught um uh you know luckily you know i, I just got a warning it could have been worse um But, you know, you get those things where, you know, I've had, you know, interactions, uh, not say with cops, but I've had, you know, people call me, you know, the N word and, and things of that nature. And, and you you know, you just don't want to, you know, no one should have to deal with, you know, things of that nature, you know. Um, But it's been going on far too long in our, in our country um, and across the world. Um, But you, when you hear these athletes uh, tell their stories, um, is definitely something that's touching. Um, now, l- let's move the, the conversation forward. Um, Mike, how can we move the conversation forward? And how can individuals like Eric and Jeremy help push the conversation forward of what we need to do to fight uh, racism in this country? And then actually in the NFL.
1: Um, just... Uh Make make it a make it more of a thing to do uh, daily, you know. And just don't let this go by with, with the moment. You know, I know right now, you know, America and, and the world's kind of focused on this, but don't let it go. Don't let it go by. Don't let you know a couple of weeks go by and we all forget, or a month go by and we forget, and it's not mentioned. Just keep it keep it relevant because it, it, it'll always be relevant. Is, you know, it's something that's continuously going on in America. And I don't think we're going to see it change uh, anytime you know, soon, as in, as in just uh, a total make-off. And just as long as you keep it fresh and, and keep refreshing it and keep touching on it, it's that's important, man. And uh, you know, I just think that'll help out a lot. A lot. Right. A lot of people uh, listen to you guys and follow you guys. So.
4: Right. Shawnee I think I agree with Mike. I think we just can't um, let this go. We need to keep the pressure on, keep reporting it. You know, some things tend to die down with time. You know, as time goes on, people forget. People have short memories. They forget. Um, But we need to keep people aware. Um, Keep doing what we're doing, reporting it. When we see things, report it. And keep the pressure up and I think they could bring forth positive change. Right.
0: Now, I left you you two gentlemen uh, uh, last on this one because I have been following your Twitter feeds, right? And I've seen some of the backlash you've gotten from your own community by posting uh, stories about racial injustice. And what are you guys going to do or what do you think you can do to keep pushing this conversation forward? Uh, I'll start with you, Jeremy.
2: I mean, there's a couple things. The first one is like, don't let those people deter you. Um, I, I, I don't care if I lose followers. I don't care if Pride of Detroit loses viewership, readership. I don't even get paid by clicks, so I don't care about clicks as much as some people think I do. I I don't care. Um I'm I'm going to continue to speak. Um we've been raising money over at Pride of Detroit all week, um, for Colin Kaepernick's Know Your Rights camp. Um, one thing that I haven't been, been preaching that I should be is to not just consider a one-time donation, but a monthly donation. So like you said, this isn't just a one-time deal. And then, you know, next month when we're on to the next thing, we forget about it. Um, Monthly donations. Think about that. Think about supporting local black businesses. Um, And and yeah, with the backlash, I'm fine losing friends over it too. Um, One thing that Frank Ragnow said, which I thought was really interesting, is that he feels like part of his role in this is to you know, talk back to people if just in the interactions it, you know we, we saw the text exchange with Jake Fromm um, you know making sure that sort of stuff isn 't acceptable when you 're behind even when you 're behind a wall of secrecy, even if it 's just a text exchange, even if it 's just you two hanging out with your buddy at the bar and he says something, you speak back on that you don 't let those sort of things slide because those are the, those are the things that fester and eventually become something bigger so if I lose followers, I don't care. I don't even like bringing up followers. I, I've never checked my follower count, I don't care. I'm gonna to continue to call people out for, for bad things that they say, and I know some of them are just trolls on Twitter, but it's sometimes it's important to expose those people. Not not with the kind of anger that some people go at them at, but with an understanding, with, with the kind of compassion that, that allows them the, the space to grow. Because if you just come back at some people with anger, they're just going to get more angry. They're not going to even consider changing. So, I think I think it's important to to reach out to people that disagree with you, to that might have some t- sort of backlash with what you say and not fire back at them necessarily, but say, "Hey, this is why I believe what I I believe. This is why I'm going to continue to why I do do what I do." And 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 try to 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 reach out in in a way that won't turn them away immediately because if we just continue to you know, bicker at each other, nothing's going to get accomplished. We need to, we need to reach across the aisle. We need to come to some sort of agreement because we can't do this on this own, on our own. We, we, we would love to, but, but there needs to be some sort of agreement. There needs to be some sort of unity. Are we going to get a hundred percent unity? Of course not. Um, but the more people that we can, you know, reach out in, in a compassionate way, I think uh, the, the more we can accomplish our future goals. All right. Uh,
3: Eric. Yeah, I I think you can echo a lot of what Jeremy said there. uh, For me as well, the biggest things that um, I think keep this in the forefront is again going back to what a couple of the players said yesterday. Uh, Dron Harmon said, "You need we need to make sure that we allocate time and 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 making sure and the team is going to make sure that they allocate time and and we need to do the same thing." as, profession, as professionals, we need to make sure that we're allocating time in, uh, in order to look at the issues. We need to make sure that we're talking to players and seeing how things are going with them. And we need to be able to report on that as uh, the season and the months and go on. So mm-hmm. professionally, from that, that's one of the ways we can grow professionally. Now, from a personal standpoint, yeah, I want to uh, echo what Jeremy said it uh, was quoting Frank Ragnall saying, being able to talk on your, when you have a platform is important, but it's also important when you hold people accountable, when you're not using your platform and, and and teaching your kids the right way uh, to do something and being able to impact uh, the younger generation as positively as you can. Mm -hmm. That's the, uh, that's a huge way. I'm a firm believer that you build change through youth. right? Right. And I think that, the, you need to keep that focus there. Now, uh, I know Jeremy isn't as big a uh, follower, I, I, he doesn't care about his followers as much. I'm more egotistical, I care about mine a little bit more. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I, you know, I've lost followers over the last few days, absolutely. And, and that's fine. Um, and I've had some people say some pretty nasty stuff to me and stuff that I would have normally just been like, well, I don't need it, I'll just block them but over the last week i've tried not to block people i've tried to say i'm willing to leave the door open and if they want to if they change their perspective or if they want to come back to me and they want and they want to see something constructive not just you know throw swear words out at me right mm-hmm. then i have to be open to that and i want to be open to that and so i'm trying not to block people i'm trying not i'm trying to stay interactive and i'm tr- but i'm also trying to understand when people are trying to get the best of me and when people are actually looking for my point of view if i can continue to try and keep a message of of, of education out there then i think that's important because i really think that one of the most confusing things going on right now is language right when people hear words like white privilege I don't think they understand what that means. I think, uh, again, going back to Frank Ragnow, he said white privilege doesn't mean you've lived a privi- privileged life. It means that you are afforded privileges that by the color of your skin that other people aren't just in your everyday life. And I think that's something that people don't understand. And I still get people in my mentions asking me, uh, why kneeling for the flag is okay. And, uh, protesting and taking a knee during the flag is okay when that's not what it's about like there's just a confusion and there's there's a lack of knowledge out there and when i can put my perspective or i can help try and promote other people's perspective on on knowledge and language i think that's how i can make change that's what i've been trying to do that's what i'm going to continue to do um and i want to make sure that i do i want i want to make sure I allocate time for that moving forward
0: Right, and and before we kind of close out, I want to, um, if you're not aware, uh, one thing I want to do is I'm a military person. I've served 26 years in the army, and one thing that just came out a little bit ago uh, today is that the United States Marine United States Marine Corps just banned Confederate flags on all their installations. You're not allowed to display a Confederate flag on the installation, be it a bumper sticker, a flag, any type of representation of the Confederate flag will be removed from all United States Marine Corps installations. And kudos to the Marine Corps for doing that. Um, First of all, uh, I really don't think that the the Confederate flag should be displayed. Um, It is a flag of traitors um, who broke off from the Republic of the United States uh, to try to become their own country. Um, And I live probably about 15 minutes from probably one of the largest displays uh, displays of a Confederate flag here in North Carolina. And for them to come out and, and say that was a big, big step in the right direction because um, people around this country, you know, I never really got to that Southern pride thing that is a form of, of hate uh, and display uh, of definitely of a, a group of people who want to keep people of color oppressed. So um, shout out again to the United States Marine Corps. Uh, Now it is time for us to kind of close anything out. So I'm gonna start with my co-host, Shani J. Any uh, parting comments, my man?
4: Yes, people, um, what happened to George Floyd was a tragedy and that should have happened. I'm sorry it did, I feel for his family. But I just wanna say quickly, Curtis, I still disagree. All these people are taking advantage of the situation just to go out and loot and start fires and steal—that has nothing to do with George Floyd. That does no good. That brings no good to the situation. That doesn't make things better. You destroy you know, some beautiful cities like Atlanta and, and LA, and you know people who had nothing to do with the George Floyd situation, or just upset as you were. And ask for these rioters, please stop, because that doesn't do anything to help the situation. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Mike?
1: Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, i just like to say that um, I hope that all of this um, that just came out um, changes, changes people for the better. I hope it happens in a quicker fashion than it probably will happen. And um, I just hope the NFL finally acknowledges uh, what Colin Kaepernick tried to do uh three four years ago and they they write their wrongs and and amend that uh because it's important because he was doing this uh years ago you know a couple years ago and it wasn't accepted and everybody was here to stand up and and, and say something I, I really hope that they fix that and, uh, and get that squared away all
0: right thank you uh Eric any pardon shots
3: I think the big thing that I would encourage people to do is just to listen and and I don't mean like just hear the words I mean actually listen to what people are saying and if you listen and you empathize and you and you, and you try to educate yourself on what the why the situations are happening I think you'll have a better understanding of that, uh, of, of what's happening and why people make decisions that they are. And uh, that's the big thing that I just want to make sure I just stress. And I keep trying to stress out to people. Is just just listen. Take the time. And, uh, and, you know, if you don't have time to watch a whole 27-minute uh, Harmon video, but listen to just three minutes of it. You know, just take that time, and it, it'll change you. It. it will. Thank you. Jeremy?
2: Yeah. Um thanks Kurt for, for the opportunity to be here to, to talk and, and like Eric said, probably more importantly, just listen. Um, you guys have some interesting perspectives that, that I think are valuable to to all Lions fans, all people. And yeah, I was I was gonna kind of say something similar to Eric there. Um the, the one thing I would add is just um don't don't react right away. I feel like internet discourse has made it so that our listening capacity is about five seconds before you want to speak again. Um take the time to digest things. Take the time, you don't need to respond to every tweet that that you disagree with. Take the time, maybe do some research on your own and just try to understand because you wouldn't interact with the person that way face to face. Try to treat your Twitter account, try to tweet, tweet, treat your Instagram comment sections like you would in real life and just sit there, consider, be passionate, be, be compassionate I should say. Um, name calling, any sort of that stuff is, is not helping anyone. And so just listen, just digest and, and, and try to understand and, and have a little bit of compassion.
0: Right. Now, that's where I wore my shirt today. I have a, a One Pride shirt on because we're all One Pride as Lions fans and as Lions podcasters. Um, I would say definitely listen, listen to each other, hear each other, be compassionate, be empathetic, and understand where other people are coming from. And for those who want to be on the right side of history, will definitely change uh, for the better. I thank thank, um, my man, Jeremy Reisman, uh, Eric Slit of uh, Lions Wire, Uh, Jeremy definitely of Pride of Detroit, my man, Mike of OMG It's Lions Talk, and my man, Shawnee J, of right here, at the Die Hard Dan podcast, and for everyone on this panel, we thank you for listening in or watching us on this special episode of the Die Hard Dan podcast. This is Kurt Steele, and we are out. <laughs>